0: Hello, welcome to Smiling Politely with me, Aaron J. How are you doing? So this is a platform that I'm selfishly using to shout material at seven people online rather than seven people in a pub. So if there is a topic you want to see me rant about, then please do drop me a message. I'm also using this platform to talk to an array of cool and interesting people, find out what they've been up to and what their plans are going forward. A huge thank you to those who have listened already and got in touch. It means a lot to me to know which jokes worked and which jokes didn't. Also means a lot to me knowing that people are listening and taking an interest in something that I'm developing a bit of a passion for, to be honest. So I think the main news this week is that the pubs are finally open. And it was really nice to see groups of lads walking to the pubs with masks and short trousers on. They were prepared for both. COVID-19 and the possibility of a flood. But the pub's opening has lifted morale. People bunching together and seeing each other really brought back the spirit of the summer where England were playing well in the World Cup. Everyone singing, it's coming home, it's coming home. Which is still the case. Only in this instance, it's a second wave rather than football. News outlets weren't happy though. One news outlet detailed violence, vandalism, and antisocial behaviour, which does surprise me, to be honest, because I thought Leicester was locked down. Pubs are open from 6am too, which again, really surprised me because I thought Leicester was locked down. (laughs) But the only time it's acceptable to be drinking at 6am is if you're in an airport, let's be honest. Also in the news, the government have decided to stop mobile phone brand Huawei from using its 5G network due to concerns regarding their affiliation to the Chinese government and potential data breaches. To be fair, Huawei have always been a bit evil as they exclusively only brought out phones that weren't compatible with any other brand of charger. There are concerns that your location data can be tracked. If that is the case, we may as well use Huawei as our track and trace system. At the moment, we have to call a hotline and hope that solves coronavirus. Will it really? Will ringing someone up really solve the coronavirus crisis? Like, I don't see how that can happen when the phone calls I make rarely get my food order right. The latest model of Huawei comes with a zoom lens, which means every time you take a photo, you have to wave frantically at the screen until the sound starts working. I don't have a Huawei personally. I have a Motorola which is essentially the iPhone of the early 2000s. And a big concern about Huawei is that they can monitor the messages you send and receive, as well as the photo gallery, which I think is the main reason behind Boris's U-turn. Not that I'd want that to be the case, for the sake of our nation's modesty. However, I'd love to see the headline, Hung Parliament. Kanye West has also announced he intends to run for president. It'd be really funny if he won and Taylor Swift just appeared from nowhere, being like, yo Kanye, I'ma let you finish, but Joe Biden ran one of the best candidacies of all time. It'd also be quite funny if Kanye hit a wave of support But I can imagine Ray J popping up out of nowhere saying he hid it first. Also in the news this week, Irish PM Leo Varadkar has been heavily criticised for quoting Mean Girls in one of his speeches. If there's anyone who screams strong and stable, it's Lindsay Lohan. That's not a joke, by the way. I can genuinely see her screaming that. But Leo Varadkar's put his foot in it. Leo Varadkar, I think, is a fantastic name too. It sounds like an off-brand cologne you'd get from the market. The idea of politicians using pop culture references to boost their own stock. Like, Boris has done this too throughout this whole lockdown situation. He keeps saying that we're all in this together, all in this together. That was in High School Musical. What will he say next? Someone asks him, hey Boris, how much debt are we going to be in after lockdown? And he just goes, oh, ah, just a little bit. This week's topic is toxic masculinity. And a huge thanks to Jake Steers for stitching me up with that category. And I say that because toxic masculinity isn't something that I necessarily understood growing up. In Ipswich, toxic masculinity is a cocktail you can get from Vodka Revolutions. I think toxic masculinity is more apparent on nights out too. I think people are more aggressive. I was out once on a bank holiday Sunday and I saw a guy tell someone that he was going to knock him into next week. And he didn't find it remotely funny at all when I said to wait until midnight. But I think the image of toxic masculinity can be portrayed by those groups of lads that you get on a night out, that they each sort of go in on a bottle of Grey Goose in the club and then pose with the bottle for a photo, each of them pointing at the bottle to show off the fact that they can afford to part with £8 each. I've seen that done in Ipswich, but with a bottle of Beck's. And I always wonder on Nights Out too, why is a taxi rank called a taxi rank? I always wondered that until I saw how the people behaved in one. I think toxic masculinity is definitely more apparent on the road too. Uh, the guys who pose with the bottle of Grey Goose are definitely the guys who rev their car engines in a supermarket car park. I tried riding a motorbike because, you know, I scream rebel. I thought it gave me some man points. It didn't, Uh, but they are really handy for weaving in and out of lanes, but you do look a tool doing it in Asda. I experience a bit of the downside of lad culture too, as I have long hair. Uh, Typically, lads, lads, lads can't handle a guy with long hair, so I get called names such as girl or David Seaman's love child. My hair is the length of a woman who persistently wants to speak to the manager of a shop or restaurant. I have long hair, though. I have long hair. I like having long hair. I like the look. Famous people have had long hair in the past, like Jesus. Although, judging by the treatment I've had for having long hair, I don't think it's a stretch to think that one of the reasons for his crucifixion was down to his hair length. So my guest this week is comedian TK Wallace. TK Wallace is a very new comedian that has very quickly taken to performing stand-up comedy so naturally. And I thought it'd be really good to hear from someone that is just beginning their career in comedy. So please enjoy the wonderful chat that I've had with TK Wallace. TK Wallace, how are you doing?
1: Not too bad. How you doing, Aaron? You good?
0: Yeah, not too bad, thank you, buddy. So you are a up-and-coming stand-up comedian. Uh, so I suppose yeah. the first question is, why did you want to get into stand-up comedy?
1: Basically, I wanted to do acting. Okay. I was looking for acting jobs, okay? Like open, like improv groups, you know, uh, where you kind of show up type of thing and then kind of improvise on the spot. Those are the type of acting that I was looking for, you know. And, um yeah, and I was searching online. And I was searching everywhere in Cambridge. There was nothing. And I saw this one thing that says open mic uh, improv thing. I was like, okay, cool. I signed up for it, emailed the guy. And I was like, yeah, go on, I will do that. And the guy actually turns out to be on a, on a Thursday at Thirsty. You probably know the guy. I forgot his name. But he does this um, every Thursday or something like that.
0: Is it? Well, uh, first Laughs. Is it the First Laughs First one? Laughs.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. That's the one. First Laughs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I emailed the guy. Said, hey, can I uh, do this thing? And then... It was on a Thursday afternoon when I was at work. I got an email from him and goes, can you still do that thing? I was like, oh, damn, last minute thing, not expecting it. And I thought it was an improv thing. I turned out it's actually a stand-up comedy thing. And then I already had my name down. And that's how I pretty much, and that was my first gig. And that's when I met Louis and Demlo and Lewis, and, and you know, on that day, you know.
0: All right. <laughs> oh, So you literally, you turned up to the gig thinking it was improv. Did you have anything planned or written down? Or did you literally just improv the first set?
1: So I did not improv the first set because when I showed up, I saw it was a comedy thing. And I literally said to Louis, I was like, yo, I didn't know it was a comedy thing. And he goes, don't worry. Just, you know, think you'll be the last one sort of it. And think of something else. to be. Just talk. He was telling me how, Louis was telling me how he's, um how his first gig was horrible because he was just talking for minutes and minutes, for hours. Even <laughs> <Him and, laughs> thing he had done, were just talking for ages. He was telling me like, oh, you can just talk about anything. So I started writing down little bullet points of something that I think could be funny, like stories I've told to my friends in the past, you know, like stories that made them chuckle. So like, you know what? Write those down. And over the time where everyone was doing their stand-up, I was just writing anything that's funny. You know that um, joke that I always make about the homeless guy walked into my uh, room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that joke. I wrote it on that day, on that night, on my first ever thing while I was there. Like, someone made a joke about someone just walking in the room without knocking. Like, I don't know. He was telling a joke about his parents walking in on him without knocking and then they never shut the door. They always leave it wide open and slightly, you know? And then I got this idea, I was like, okay, what if a homeless guy walked in? And then i am like, what? What are you doing? And then, oh, it's the punchline, i will be like, I'll take your shoes off. And then I wrote that joke no. straight away, and then I used that as an opener. And it's been my joke since, you know, and that's how I basically had that into into things that I think would be funny. And also look at how people are doing their jokes on that day and kind of just, you know, come up with my own jokes uh, on, on the spot. So and that's how I started that's that's
0: impressive because you hear a lot of people talk about when they get into stand up they write loads and loads and loads of jokes before they take the plunge and do the gig but it's almost as if you've done the opposite you've turned up and then written the jokes there and then and fair play is still using some of the jokes now which is which is great i don't think i use any of the jokes that i used in my first set which
1: wait how why
0: not I, I I think over time I've just Im- improved. I've the, I, ne- I was I wasn't a strong starter. I wasn't natural at it. I had to. It, it took a long time to to get good at it. I I sucked for a while. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, I've never seen anyone admit to sucking so much like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it t- it takes time. I mean. So, like, you got into stand-up accidentally, I guess, for, you know, intending to get into improv.
1: Did you, Were you... Yeah, I'm still looking to get into improv right now.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. So if anyone's listening that's part of an improv group, message TK Wallace and...
1: Exactly. I'm still <laughs> looking for improv. Especially London ones. I've been trying to find some. They're really expensive. You have to pay to do improv. I've never seen anything like that. That's messed up.
0: Yeah, don't you have to, like, pay for the lessons and then you do a show at the end of it? Is that how it works? Yeah,
1: that's exactly how it works. And I thought it was bullshit, to
0: be honest, mate. Yeah, it seems... I, I suppose it depends on the quality of the teaching, I guess. If, if you're learning from it, then I wouldn't be as begrudged to pay. But if you're not mm. learning anything from it, it kind of seems like you're just having your money taken off you.
1: Yeah, which is often really like, I mean, you acting is very hard. Like if you look at the acting industry, it's the same people doing the same different roles each time. They don't like, it, it's very rare for up-and-comers to kind of make, especially in the improv world, where you're trying to, you know, do some acting, but also write some, you know, some scenes and stuff, you know, just, you know, directional, you know, just like, oh, okay, we get the, girl and the boy do this. It's usually once once you make it big up there, it's usually the same people that are doing it over and over again. It's never like the new guy who kind of gets that raw. You know, like it's I haven't seen many new up and comers, you know. Get a while. The big rows and the West End. Like it's very hard. Like it's it's hard.
0: Yeah, and I so. suppose the more people are getting into it, the more, you know, the more difficult it is for for newer actors to to actually find the the lead roles that that they perhaps want to get into. It is very rare that you get like an overnight success, which you probably would have done five ten years ago. There were more more people sort of yeah. stepping into it and then doing really well.
1: You're right, because obviously, as well as acting wise, acting everyone thinks they can act, so that's why there's more people in the in, trying. To do these action roles because everyone thinks it's easy to do.
0: Mm, yeah. What? What? What's your background in terms of acting? Then did you have you studied it yourself or have you just thought you know what I'm just gonna give it a go?
1: What? Yeah. The thing is, yeah, my acting wise, yeah, I've always been playing the same guy. Yeah. In In every role that I got, I, I did. Uh, I did some theatre work for this young actors company. It's like a little agency for young actors and um it's literally called young actors it's messed up it's literally called young actors company <laughs> <laughs> like um yeah and I, I i did some shows for them uh i met the guy from eastenders uh is it tamwa like this guy from eastenders they killed they killed off his character he was there for ages he was a product of that company so he came over and he, he kind of gave me some advice and i, I thought i was going to make it as an actor but well, I always wanted something in between. I wanted to be like a comedy actor. Yeah. It is, it, and it's hard to get that because acting is either very serious or if it's comedy, you have to be really, really good and you have to do all these auditions. So that's why I kind of made it up, kind of went to doing stand up because I can create my own scenes. You know, I'm basically acting on stage. So this whole, you see me. I'm always going, take a while, take a while. I put it on as if like, oh, I'm acting. You know, it's like, you know, five minutes. It's like a five minute TV show type of thing, comedy yeah. TV show, five minutes. And that's how I look at it in that sense because I can't, you know, I can't really get into comedy acting at the moment. Yeah, I think the the good thing about doing
0: stand up as well is is like you've said, you're in control of your own material you're able to the only person that has a say on what you're putting out there is you you don't have to go through the rigmarole of of rehearsals and auditions and having someone else add notes yeah. to what it is you're doing it's literally just you yeah. putting it out there which i is a, a huge plus of stand-up comedy
1: yeah yeah definitely definitely man and everyone's got their different style That I've seen. I I like watching stand-up comedy. When I go on gigs, I watch a different style. I see your style. I've never seen anyone who is extremely laid back. On a, I've never seen that before. Where people, someone is like so relaxed. Where you you speak, and then you just chill a little bit, and everything is going well. Everyone's laughing, and you're just taking these moments where you just kind of breathe and even drink for a bit. I, I just... Most guys are really all over the place, kind of like, yeah, and they want to just put it all out there. You
0: know? I think it comes with time as well. I mean, you, like you say, you see a lot of people that, that they go up and they're just everywhere. You know, they, they've got to make... yeah. They yeah. don't want those dead spots of silence because, you know, it could easily veer off course. And I think as you get more comfortable with gigs the silence has mm. become far less uncomfortable and you're, you just settle into it. So I think it just comes with time and just the sheer amount of gigs that you do, it, yeah. it just kind of happens. But you mentioned like you watch a lot of stand-up comedy now as, as a comic. Did you watch yeah. much of it before that first gig? Were you, were you a fan of stand-up comedy?
1: That's actually a good question, you know. Because I, before this doing the stand up thing, I only watch what everyone watches. Like the normal average person has seen Kevin Hart. We've all seen Kevin Hart. Yeah. You know, say with your chest, say, you know, we've all seen that. Yeah. You know, where he does those little jokes. Like, oh, no, she wasn't ready. You know, we, we've all seen that. You know, I've, I've basically, I saw the the norm, like I did, I, I didn't look for it, you know, like what I do now, like now I actually look up more like average, like amateur type of, those are the people I'm looking for. You know, the, the up and comings, like especially live in the Apollo, like I watch all the up and coming guys. But before then I only watched the ones that they popped up on my feed on Facebook or Instagram where uh, I feel like if I could tell you exactly what I watched before I did stand up I would say Kevin Hart watched him yeah and Trevor Trevor Noah I watched Trevor Noah because he's from similar country to me and the jokes he was telling were just were just hilarious it was just you know it was just I thought it was funny when he was talking about how he you know came being raised in Africa and stuff I thought that was that's why I take some of my my material now from you know like Africa wise and kind of trying to you know, use that Trevor Noah effect. And yeah. who else? And Eddie Murphy. So basically, Eddie Murphy, Kevin Hart, and Bill, Bill, uh, Bill Burr. Is it Bill Burr or Bill, Bill Burr. Burr? Bill Burr, yeah, yeah. Yes, I watched him as well because I thought it was hilarious. I remember watching him the time, but this is like back in 2015. So Bill Burr and then, and then there's this guy called, he's this, I forgot his name now. Um, He, He's a savage basically, and he dated Amy Schumer for a bit. Dated uh, Amy Schumer for a bit. Dated Amy Schumer. Hmm. He's, he's a savage. He's, he just basically d- does jokes about, uh, you know, just dark humor pretty much. I'll probably yeah. send you his name after him, but he's, that's pretty much all the people I, I saw that I could remember before then.
0: It's interesting as well, because obviously other than Trevor Noah, you've you've listed all US comics as well. And that's, that's something that a lot of acts that get into stand-up do tend to favour a lot of the US comics. But the style is so different to the style Wait. of comedy that you get in
1: the UK. Damn, that's a good spot. That's actually a very good spot, you know.
0: Because I mean, in in the US, I mean, a lot of the comics that you get from the US, yeah, they go longer. You know, the the stories are longer. They drag it out. Whereas in the UK, it tends to be a lot more concise and a lot more focused on jokes as opposed to stories. I think. Yeah, my I've observation. Never huh. That's interesting. But I th- I, I, I think now you've said that. You know, having seen your set, your set is focused on stories. It's lots of little jokes within a larger narrative. So it, it makes sense that you're influenced by those sorts of comics, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. It makes I never, man, I never looked at it in that way at all. Like, now that I think about it, most of the comics I see are actually American. And it, it does, if, if it if it, if it if it works for you, it works. But it can work against you sometimes because I've been in <laughs> I've been in some crowds that, you know, I <laughs> for the last, since I started doing stand-up that first time in October, I did over 60 to 70. I was doing a lot of gigs and I was going everywhere. Like when I'm, I'm not even joking, I was going everywhere. Every time you guys message me, I'll be on it most of the times. I was just... And then when you go to certain places, they don't really have time for stories, you know. You know, they kind of want to hear the quick one-liners, really. Yeah, um, yeah. It can work against you on that point. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: It it can, and I think it's 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 those sorts of gigs that you then realise, okay, I need to write some shorter jokes so yeah. that when it, when I'm in that situation again. I can deal with it. And I think that's how you get better as well, isn't it? Just by doing all those different gigs, working out what different audiences are like, because there are different audiences, regardless of Mm. whether you're in Kent or Cambridge or Luton. They're Mm. all going to be different. They're all going to have different sort of senses of humour. So having those different tools and different styles, it does come in handy, I think.
1: It does, it does. I, I, I learned, I learned, um, I don't know about you, like, what, what is the most difficult, the most difficult situation you've been in when you're doing stand-up in in, in the recent memory you can
0: remember? I, I mean, I'm never comf- that comfortable dealing with hecklers. I'm never, I'm never that sure of it. I don't mind mm. going into the audience, but I find that I haven't got that killer instinct to just shut someone down. I can deal with them and quiet them down a little bit, but I haven't yeah. got that That other comics that I know. They, they're able to just sort of kill it there and then, you know, so, you know, shut it down, move on. Yeah, I tend to drag it out. So I would say that's, it's that area of stand-up that I particularly struggle with is, is just shutting someone up if they're a bit rowdy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What, what about you? I mean, what's, what's your area that you're, you're hoping to, to build on when we can eventually gig again?
1: I think the area, I'll be very honest with you, the area that I need to really improve is taking comedy, stand-up comedy, serious, as if, as if it's a profession. Because whenever I get gigs, right, I say, you know what, I'm going to about... They say I get a gig this week, right? I'll say, you know what? I'll write about five new jokes for this week, at least some fresh jokes. Or I have about, I have this book that I have about, it has about 100 jokes. So I kind of just go through those 100 jokes and then just kind of go through the middle part. And then I'll pick about 20 from the 100 and see if I could use them. So that's something that I've been doing since, but it's been fading, okay? So now when I don't focus as much, where like I'm, working and I'm busy I didn't have time to go through my jokes so I'll basically be like on the day literally on the day that's what I'm like okay so these are the jokes I'm gonna use okay so this one this one this one this one this one and then I'll pick those jokes without even looking at the crowd and I okay what type of crowd this is so I'm like kind of just juggling through that is a strong uh that's that's a point that I need to work on like uh being more prepared and not doing things on the day and be like yo okay I got these hundred jokes I'm just gonna pick a couple of these and this one definitely worked but really i think i need to look at the crowd or, or research on the area like what type of stuff they would like really and, and kind of just have a feel of what's happening around me and then be like, you know what then i'll start easing into my jokes rather than just throwing oh i'm gonna pick these jokes i'm gonna go there or because right now uh i have those jokes that i always tell you know those Always, you know, the homeless guy and then, you know, sometimes I put in the church, the wedding and then the, um, you know, it's really fast. You know, that <laughs> that one. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I always have those three. Those three are like the core that I know work everywhere pretty much. And then yeah. those those ones I add with them, those are like kind of the hundred, the, 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 the random ones I pick from the hundred. And I need to stop doing that. I need to actually stop picking the random jokes in the Android. Actually pick a solid, good, you know, 2015 and not randomize things and doing things on the spot. I feel like the improv, I need to switch off the improv mindset. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know what I'm saying? That, that, that is my weakness, being honest, putting it out there, you know. But that is exactly what my problem is. And i have always telling myself, you know what, I need to stop doing things on the spot. I need to actually stop, you know, making sure i do things right.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying there as well because I had a similar issue with what I tended to do for a lot of gigs was I'd write some new bits and had a real focus on just writing for, for a couple of months. And it was mm. Jason, Jason Stamp actually that said, why don't you try working on the jokes that you know work so that they become even stronger? And I did that. I then switched it up and did that and then focused on jokes that I knew worked, but made them even Mm. stronger. And I think that improved my set a lot as well. So I think there is a lot to be said about just having something that works and sticking to it and building on it, as opposed to just chucking jokes in here and there. Um, Mm. But there's still, you know, there's still new material nights that, if you need to test something out, you know, those are the nights to do it at. And I think it's being able to, to distinguish which ones are the ones that you need to be on top form for and which ones can you get away with, with messing about and trialing some different, different and new material. So have you done any of the virtual gigs during this time? Have you managed to get, get online and do any virtual gigs or have you just sort of, Longed it often and, and not not fancied it.
1: I tell you what, man. I just I feel like the virtual gigs. I don't know how it works, mate. I honestly I just don't see it. I just I just don't know how it works. I've seen loads of people post about it, but I'm just like, come on, man. I, I understand the roast. If you're gonna roast someone, yeah. I feel like um, what's his name um, thingy is doing the roast uh, the humor comedy. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Martin Westgate. Doing, yeah, he's doing the, the roast, isn't it? So I saw that and I thought that was pretty good. I watched that and I thought, you know what? That's decent for my, isn't it? That's, yeah, it he, is. He, that suits him perfectly, I think. Um,
0: I, th- I think but- certain things definitely lend themselves to, to the online platform. I think there's been some good online content out there. But as you say, a normal stand-up gig, no crowd, no audience to feed off. It's weird, isn't it?
1: How does that work then the virtual can you just explain to me how like a normal gig what are they doing that I think you literally
0: just talk you just say you're set and there's people watching that you obviously can't hear watching I think some gigs have enabled people to comment on it so you can see the comments but all in all yeah. I mean there's no audience noise to, to feed back off of so I'm not not 100% sure. It. I, I'm not keen on the idea, personally. I don't... I'm not. I, I just don't... I, yeah, it's, it's weird. But, like, the gigs you have done, we'll think back to better times where we were actually allowed to go out. Are there any gigs that stand out to you so far as really good gigs? Uh, gigs that you were proud of or gigs that you
1: just loved it, generally? Well, basically, I'll tell you, there's two gigs. There's one that... There's one that I'll be. There's two gigs that stand up to me. So the 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 first one, I was the only like black person there, and like it, it, they were like, oh, "This has to be good." Like I don't know what it is, but <laughs> they, you can hear people saying, you're like, "Oh, like it has to be good." Are you from London? They always say the same thing. You from London? Are you from London? You know? And I was like, "Damn, they are expecting me to be like some next Eddie Raffi or something," you know? <laughs> so I go on there. And PJ is already excited because he he was already excited. He goes, "Oh, I looked at your thingy. Oh yeah, I looked at your Facebook. Yeah, this this has been good." So I sit there, and then I do my first joke. You know the you know the homeless guy. They love that. They literally love that. And I start dragging that out a bit more. You know, and then I did a couple more. I did over that. I end up doing something like seventeen minutes because I was having fun on there. It was really good, and. I just liked that gig the most because that's when I was, you know, comfortable and I did a bit of crowd work, literally, not even just once, but I did it three times, you know, speaking to different people and coming out with good jokes. So I picked that as like the second best gig because it was high pressure, okay? You know, I've never met PJ before and he obviously, I don't know if you've done gigs with PJ, he always sends you like a, like a review, <laughs> like a, you know, I don't know if you've done it. We said your reviews are your your good points and your bad points. I was like, oh, thanks. I didn't know it comes with the report as well, mate. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. Awesome. That yeah, that's the second part. the f- The best one would be you know Tom Albert.
0: Yeah, I know Tom.
1: Yeah. We we and Tom went to this gig for Martin. Yeah, Martin wasn't even there. It's uh, it's at Swaffham. I'm pretty sure you've been there
0: before. I have been to Swaffham before. Yeah,
1: yeah. The the lion, the red lion, whatever.
0: Yeah, that's the yeah. one.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we get there. This <laughs> this is probably the most memorable gig. I think if you speak to Tom, he'll tell you this. This was I've never seen anything like it in my life, mate. Yeah. The crowd was rowdy as shit. I'm not even joking. I'm not exaggerating. You know Tom, yeah. He was yeah. having to scream at this guy he had this shout shouting session with one of these guys at the back he couldn't he couldn't shut up and there was about two three more other people who couldn't shout and Tom Tom is is, is a gangster because he he <laughs> he had to let the crowd know that he's the MC and he's got everything in charge because this guy wouldn't shout up and then he basically goes I think he basically made the guy uncomfortable because he just kept making. Him <laughs> He's like, oh, it's because you got a small dick. It basically just make him look like a weak little child, and then eventually the guy got tired of Tom because Tom was just all over him, and everyone was end up laughing at the guy. So he he didn't want anything, any smoke with Tom because Tom really shut him down completely. Immediately, that was like, you know, that sets the bar for everything. And I've already driven all the way to Swaffham, you know. And I'm like, I can't change back. So I'm gone, man. Immediately got heckled straight away. Not even, it was literally just first line. I didn't even say, I, I said hello. And they were like, what? What? What are you doing? What? I was like, what? And then like, and then I said, um, I said, oh yeah. Cause I thought that's when Corona was starting to kick in a little bit. That's like February time. Corona was starting to, you know. So I said, oh yeah, guys, I just came from China. And then they, they didn't react well to mm-hmm. that. <laughs> They're like, what? Go back, get out of here, then. Get out, get out. And then I just kind of just going on with it. And then I started making fun of the whole thing. And then, yeah, like towards the end, everything was quiet. And literally those guys, yeah. they loved it towards the end. And I literally, um, what I saw from the first gig where the guy got everyone's attention, even the bartender, is what I did. And, to me, that, even though it wasn't a lot of people, that is the best gig I've ever done because I've managed to turn the rowdy people into a good crowd, and that's it. That's, those are the two best gigs that I remember the most.
0: Where, If people want to find you on social
1: media, where can they find you? It's at TK Wallace on Instagram, and then we've got TK Wallace on Facebook. Hit me up on that, and then TK Wallace on Twitter. You know, hit me up. i got something come up. Coming up, I'm going to do, like, little short clips, uh, little short clips inside maybe YouTube as well. So TK Wallace on YouTube. That's
0: it. Awesome. TK Wallace, thank you very much, mate. It's
1: a pleasure talking to you. Nah, thanks, mate. Thanks, Aaron, mate. Thanks.
0: So that was comedian TK Wallace. I think I had a very good chat with TK, chatting about all things stand-up comedy. If you're interested in getting involved and being a guest on the show, please do send me a message And follow us on Instagram too. Smiling Politely is on Instagram. Thank you very much for listening. And next week, please join in too where we will have yet another exciting guest. Take care.